Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, it's Tuesday, which means Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joins us to give us his favorite David Stern moment. He also talks about why the backcourt has worked so well together in Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. We talk about the continued struggles of Miles Bridges and this. I won't be satisfied, Walker, until Andre Drummond is traded and until DeMar DeRozan is traded somewhere other than Charlotte. <laughs> You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. It's Tuesday, which means Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joins the podcast. Make sure you follow him on Twitter as always at Rick underscore Vanell. Rick, thanks for hopping on once again. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too, Rick. And I, I wanted to ask you before we started to talk specifically about the Charlotte Hornets and the roster as it's currently constructed. Oh, David Stern passing away uh, obviously left a big impact on the NBA. You hear Bob Ryan and some of the other you know, huge NBA personalities discuss just the kind of impact he had. It's as big as anybody, maybe not player or coach, that, that that's ever done it before. I, I know you wrote about it, Rick. How uh, how adamant was David Stern about keeping the NBA here in Charlotte? What was his local impact when the franchise actually left for New Orleans and we had an expansion team come about uh, in 2004? Uh, well, after a couple of hours of groveling by Pat McCrory, that was quite necessary because David could really hold a grudge. Um Stern was convinced the day of the vote to let the Hornets, Hornets move to New Orleans that there was a split the baby option. Um, Pat convinced David that it was not that Charlotte was not willing to replace Charlotte Coliseum to keep the NBA. It was that they couldn't do business with Ray Wooldridge. And considering the way that Ray comported himself through all that, it probably wasn't a very difficult task to convince David that Ray was not the best person to negotiate with. Mm -hmm. um, so David came to the solution very quickly, actually, because I was tipped to it before the vote was ever announced that the, um, that the intention was to replace Charlotte with an expansion team so that they would not walk away from this market. Uh, is that your fondest David Stern memory, that whole experience, or do you have a different one that comes to mind when I ask you that? Well, I will tell you a story that I think says a lot about David's um, intelligence. Um, I was in Memphis when he was going to speak to some Grizzlies ticket holders, and the league always made an effort when David was out, out and about to make him available to, to local media, and they included me in that, which I appreciate. And David and I got off on an interesting tangent about the luxury tax. He must have just been in a mood that day because he started talking about how the luxury tax had become nothing like what he intended for it to be. It had become a line item for five or six teams that generated a lot of revenue. And that really angered him that people were treating something that was supposed to be punitive as just the cost of doing business. And he promised me that day 
that the next collective bargaining agreement would reflect something very, very different in luxury tax. That's when, you know, if you, I don't know if you recall this, but then they were talking about, you know, multi-time offenders and all this stuff and all these booby traps intended to let people know that being in the tax on a regular basis was not something that the league was going to just look the other way on. And I appreciated the fact that David saw a problem and did something about it. That's that's exactly what his 30 years were about. The other thing that always comes to mind is he saw the globalization of the game. He saw early on in the process that basketball could be like soccer as far as the, the sport that had no borders. And he marketed the league very effectively in that regard. He didn't really particularly want NBA players in the Olympics, but once it was inevitable that that was going to happen, he made the best of it in a big way. Rick, I don't think we've ever asked you this question before, but what was your life like when the Hornets, the first time they went to New Orleans? How, how much uncertainty was in your life at that time, and how'd you handle it? It would have been very, very different had, had like I said, the, not, the fix not been in. Um, I immediately transitioned <clears throat> from covering the original Hornets to covering the expansion process, which is something I had, you know, obviously had experience with the first time around. Um, so for, I was, I, I never stopped writing about sports, but I was partnering with our city hall reporter on a constant basis to deal with the arena negotiations. It was really, really educational for me and, and, and very beneficial in the long run to my career. All right, Rick, let's talk about the current Hornets as they are. Uh, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham have, maybe to a lot of people's surprise, have worked pretty well together. Terry Rozier has been an excellent uh, catch-and-shoot guy for this Hornets team, and we know about Devontae Graham's rise into, you know, at least in the conversation of being a reserve on the All-Star team. How have Rozier and Devontae worked together in your eyes? I think we have seen that Terry Rozier is a, is a real pro. Um, he's been very adapted to the situation. Um, he never felt threatened by Devontae's sudden stardom. He adapted to it. He was perfectly fine playing off the ball. They have blended, I think, very well. Um, whether or not Devontae and Rogier is this team starting backcourt, whether or not that is a long-term uh, thing, Terry's really reinforced his value on this team. I was certainly one of the people who was skeptical about paying him $19 million a year. We'll see how all that works out over three seasons. But right now, you know, he's coming. He's, he's what? He scored 26 points in six of the la or more points in six of the last nine games. He's really adding value. Rick, I, I was going to ask two part question. One, how likely is it that the Hornets would ever trade Terry Rozier? I'm sure there are certain circumstances, but how likely would that ever happen? And two, how much more tradable do you think he is as we near the halfway point of the season than maybe you imagined he would be at the beginning of the year with that contract? Walker, I, I don't think that a whole lot have a, would, would change as far as his hypothetical trade value. Um I honestly think that that might be a situation where if you did want to trade him, and I'm just answering your question. I'm not sure. implying that be something to do. I'm guessing more of, the, more of the guaranteed money on this contract would have to be enough before that would look like a cost-effective thing to other teams. The fact that he has um, shown that he can both be a 
a, a point guard and a combo guard, and the fact that he can be effective both as a starter and as reserve, those are the kind of people that become valuable to contenders, at least down the road. Having said that, I think having two years guaranteed on, on the, at that dollar would be very different as far as him as a commodity than if there was one year less. Whether it's sports, work, or just getting through your day, we all know physical fitness is important. But if you want to stay on top of your game, you have to take care of your mental fitness as well. That's why you need Calm. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and they've teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. And if you head to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. That's calm.com slash locked on NBA. All right, I want to talk more about the trade deadline as it nears. We have plenty more Rick Bennell in the next segment here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, again, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, what are your expectations around the NBA trade deadline and how it might pertain to the Charlotte Hornets and their involvement? Uh, You know, it's interesting. I get questions sometimes from readers about the trade deadline asking, for instance, if the fact that they have won a few more games than people might have anticipated, whether they might be buyers rather than sellers, the trade deadline. Um, The way that I answer that question is I can't imagine why they would do anything if what they got back was only of value in the short run. It just doesn't make sense. They, the last thing they should be doing right now, in my mind, is taking shortcuts. And I'm not saying that I have comp- constant conversations with Mitch because I absolutely do not. But I've never spoken with him in the last six months. It wasn't obvious that the path that they have laid out is much more slow and steady than it is anything else. Yeah, Rick, we've heard Mitch Kupchak, at least my takeaway from his comments in the past, have been that they're not necessarily in the market to acquire a veteran through free agency or a trade like a Kevin Love or an Andre Drummond, two of the more frequent names that have been mentioned. Uh, Is that what you've heard from him in his past comments, or do you maybe see it differently? The best way I can answer that question is, you know, when people answer questions you haven't yet asked them, I always say special significance in that. When I was talking to Mitch and, and, and JB in September for that long story I wrote, I thought it was very interesting that Mitch volunteered without ever being asked a question that they have do not intend to be players in the 2020 free agent class. You know, that, that them suddenly becoming a team with a lot of cap room will not make them think that they should try any quick fixes in free agency. 
if you're of that mind, then I certainly don't think that what you would be doing is inheriting that awful contract that Kevin Love now has, right? Well, no, I would agree, Rick. I mean, that's why I asked the question. I would completely agree with you. And it's funny because now you look at the Charlotte Hornets and they're winning more than a lot of people expected. They're only a couple games out. I forget where they are after that loss to the Pacers last night, but of the playoff picture. And so you might look at that and on the surface think, is this a team that wants to try to trade for one of those veterans and make the playoffs? And and look, we, we've talked plenty about that, Rick. I think we all agree that it's more of a rebuilding process. That's the path the Hornets should take. But the Hornets have won games because they've been particularly good in crunch time this year. Rick, to what do you attribute the Hornets' crunch time success to this season? One thing I think it's about is diversity. Um, when you think about it, the three characters in this play that, you know, we never really saw before Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, and to a large degree, Devonte Graham are the three people who have the ball in their hands in, in clutch time. And, and just to, just so people know what we're talking about here, the NBA defines clutch time as any time that a game game's margin is five points or less within five minutes of the end of that game. And the, the Hornets numbers are insanely good in that, you know, in, the, in those specific clutch time instances, which the NBA measures, um, if you look at like the top 10 teams in net rating in clutch time, it's the Hornets and all the best teams in the league. It makes seemingly makes no sense. I've been talking to people around the organization about that the last day or two. Um, JB says he thinks it's, it's, it's a combination of them being a very effective offensively and getting a little better defensively. I, my intuition says that one of the things that works here is um, it would have, you know, in almost all situations in the past, it would have made sense to have the ball in Kemba's hands because, you know, you trusted him. Um, the, the problem with that, though, is that it created situations where it was a very predictable circumstance for the opposing defense. I would argue that it is very difficult right now for an advanced scout to be able to definitively say on a, on a report to the to another team's coaches when they're down two points and there are four seconds left here's exactly what they're going to do and rick we'll get you out of here on this it's not like pj washington had the greatest shooting performance last night but really up until yesterday i mean you look at him i think it was double digit games in a row that he really scored at least 13 points it seemed to me that he had increased uh, and gone to a, a different level here as of late. What have you made of P.J. Washington's uh, uh, recent performance out there on the court? He bounced back from that that fractured finger a lot faster than I would, thought he would. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me he didn't lose any conditioning, but I just thought that he would be, a, a, you know, a little bit fidgety with that thing, and he's performing really well. You know, Walker, I think when we look back at how good a rookie season P.J. has had, I think we remember it as a guy who didn't just score, but filled up the box score. Um, there is, he does a little of everything. He rebounds, he makes steals. Um, he makes some intelligent passes. He's a sophisticated basketball player. He showed up like a ready to wear wardrobe. <laughs> that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can find him again on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. 
Absolutely. Hey, Walker, did you see that Frederick Weiss wants to be you wants Vince in the uh, dunk contest and wants to be used as a prop? I think that would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. I hope that it happens. And if the NBA is smart, they'll absolutely find a way to make that happen. I It was the greatest dunk of all time, and I hope they can replicate that in the dunk contest. Great to bring it up, Rick. Thanks again for coming on. See ya. This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The, yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Looking at this game last night between the Pacers and the Hornets, I don't think it's there's any doubt what the storyline is, what the major thing that happened was. And it was the third quarter defense or lack thereof by the Charlotte Hornets. How about 37 points scored by the Pacers in the third quarter? There was 36 scored by the Pacers in the fourth, but it was the third quarter where the Hornets just completely checked out, didn't care, didn't know what they were doing. And you guessed it. Miles Bridges got torched by T.J. Warren. It's 36 points for TJ, 15 of 24 shooting from the field. Didn't even hit a three-pointer in this game. It's not like he went to the line a ton. He hit six free throws out of the six that he took. He was just 15 of 24, and really, you know, and 22 of them were two-point field goals. And a lot of that is what happened in the first game, Doug. Like, when I think of peak bad defense, bad help defense, just falling asleep by Miles Bridges, I always go back to that game where the Hornets actually won it in the Spectrum Center and TJ just basically walks to the basket and gets an easy bucket. TJ hates the Hornets. He specifically hates Miles Bridges. And that third quarter got ugly last night. Yeah, it was a combination of the Hornets not preventing the Indiana Pacers from getting in the paint. Both Warren and Sabonis really having their way inside. 66 points in the paint for Indiana and only 46 for the Charlotte Hornets. They weren't shooting terribly from beyond the arc. They got 30 attempts up, hit 10 of them, so 33%. Not great, but certainly we've seen them shoot worse and lose games. But once again, you had Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier who played really well against Dallas. Uh, they they struggled to shoot from outside. 3 of 7 for Devontae and Terry Rozier, 3 of 10. I, I don't care how well defensively or how poorly defensively this team plays. If Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier do not hit three-point shots, this team is really going to struggle to win basketball games. I mean, it, it, it might just be as simple as that. Though, to Graham and Rozier's credit, they did get to the line a lot. Yeah, and that's been a theme by Devontae, right? Like, I, I've liked seeing his free throw attempts per game start yeah. to go up as he's gotten more comfortable. Doug, I thought in the first quarter, when Devontae Graham had five assists in, like, the first eight minutes of action, to me – that was a moment where Devontae Graham has looked like a stud in a lot of different situations, right? I just thought at that moment, the first eight minutes of the game against the Indiana Pacers, where he was getting inside, hitting biz, hitting guys on their rolls to the basket. It just seemed like he was at peak understanding of the game for a while. It just seemed like, okay, this is a guy that's going to wreck the league. He's going to hit his three pointers. It, you give me that guy with that kind of passing shooting 40%. It's the most excited that I got maybe watching Devontae 
all season. Like the Nets game was fantastic, right? That was a shot of adrenaline. It was awesome. It's one of the best moments of the season so far. But if we're just looking, watching him play basketball, it was the most comforting. It was the most comforted I've been watching Devontae like, oh, okay, yeah, that guy is going to be a stud and he's going to constantly be at least in the mix of being an all-star in the Eastern Conference. It was that eight-minute stretch in the first quarter where I thought, okay, that guy's going to be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Graham right now is the warm blanket of this team. I mean, you know, it might be really cold outside, but Devontae Graham's a warm blanket. Uh, he's the one guy you can look at. I think PJ, I throw PJ Washington in there too, even though, oh, of course. you know, he struggled, uh, struggled to hit a shot and he's going to hit a rookie wall eventually. You know, he's going to get, he's going to find some, uh, his legs, his legs are going to start wavering. And um, so that's coming, but I, but I'm really excited about both those guys. Uh, not excited about Miles Bridges. Had a had a good night offensively, 18 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Like if you look at the box score, he looks fine, but uh defensively just did not love what he was doing. And I thought he turned the basketball over a few times. Sloppy play in the third quarter uh that helped Indiana take home this victory. Just I don't know, man. It's just I, I'm just yeah. kind of dumbfounded at at uh, Miles's lack of development in his second year. I, I mean, maybe it's a sophomore slump. Maybe we all look like idiots in year three. But right now, it's not looking good. Look, I, I'm willing to accept that, right? I mean, I, you, you can't write him off for good. I mean, it's a first-round pick, and I get all of that. And and it's frustrating. Look, I also get that Miles Bridges has been handled or have been given, I should say, a, a lot more responsibility this season. Look, I understand all of that. Six of seven from the field. You know, pretty efficient night shooting the basketball. You know, you hit a couple of threes. I think that there were hands. They they. I think they were contested threes from what I remember yesterday. I, I like what Miles Bridges did in that regard. The defense was awful. And also, Doug, there's just watching Devontae Graham understand the game, even though it's not like he was hitting a ton of shots in the first quarter, Miles Bridges had the basketball in his hands a couple of times early on in this contest. And there just was a couple of decisions that he didn't he didn't make a turnover. You know, it, it's not like he it's not like he did anything crazy bad. It just seemed like a genuine misunderstanding of the game. There was a fast break opportunity. I thought that they had numbers. It was three on two or at least Miles Bridges, this nice body of an NBA player that also can jump higher than you has a lane and just decides to kick it back out and not be aggressive in a fast break opportunity where I thought Miles Bridges could have done something offensively, whether he gave it up or he dished it to somebody and he just didn't do it. And you've talked about the problem with his lack of aggressiveness. And then another time real quickly, Doug, before I get your comments on this, Miles Bridges also had the basketball at the top of the key and Cody Martin cut towards the basket on the, uh, on the baseline cut towards the basket. And I felt that Miles Bridges could have made that pass and he didn't. And instead he just swings it around the horn and the shot clock continues. And I don't even know what happened on that possession after that. I just know Miles Bridges didn't hit the open man. Just, it's that kind of understanding that makes me feel comforted by the warm blanket that is Devontae Graham and still mm. looking for some comfort when watching Miles Bridges play. Is there anything better than a warm blanket? Just crawling under a warm blanket? It's fantastic, especially, uh, and we can all name it Devontae Graham, even though that might be a little weird, but it's the oh, warm blanket it. that we all need right now. Uh, Miles Bridges, I've been asking, what does he do offensively? No one has answered me. I'm just, I'll am just i keep asking it. I'll keep asking it until someone answers me. What does he do offensively? Shouldn't he dominate in transition? 
I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I thought he messed up a few transition opportunities in that game against Indiana. I think he should be dominating in, in, in transition. It seems like that's a place where he would get some free lanes to the basket and, and really wreck a team a la MKG. MKG used to do it when he was a, you know, peak offensive MKG, those very few times that we saw that. It was a lot of it having to do with the fact that he was able uh, to get out into transition and make some things happen. But the Hornets, as a team, have not been very good in transition this year. In terms of points per play, according to Cleaning the Glass, they're 21st in the league at 119.6. Uh, that's down from last season under JB when they were 11th in the league, and then the season before that when they were 5th in the league. So they were converting those easy buckets, but not this year. And I think part of that has to do with the fact uh, that Miles Bridges not a very good transition player, in, in yeah, my opinion. I, I, when you ask me what can Miles do, I, I do think, and it might not be at an efficient rate now, but I do think that Miles does possess the ability to shoot pretty well from three. Yeah, I, I think Miles probably has that 37, 38% in him. It's dwindled down. You know, we shot 41% the first month, which is only about a handful of games. And then it went to 32 in December. He shot 37% in the month of January, and he, he's actually not shot very well the last three games that have occurred. Um, excuse me, in January, it was in December where he did shoot 37%. I was just a month off on a couple of those. I, I do think he possesses that skill. I do think that he's got a stroke that can hit those kind of numbers, but I I don't have anything else for you a whole lot, Doug. You know, I, I'm sure that answer doesn't even suffice a whole lot for a first-round pick that we had some pretty high expectations for. I even understand in fast break where if he has the basketball, he might not be a huge threat. Where Malik Monk, right, like that's a guy that has had a lot of criticism thrown his way, deservedly so, but in transition, he's a monster with the basketball. I feel like Miles could be an absolute beast if he's running on the side in fast break opportunities. Just throw it up near the goal and have him dunk it on your head. And to your point, he hadn't really done that. A couple of other interesting things, I think, from this game. Uh, this comes, uh, of course, on on the heels of that crazy, exciting, don't-stop-believing victory over the Dallas Mavericks where you saw this resilient team at peak resiliency, right? The danger, and I think why James Borrego was so frustrated last night and, and the frustration of this entire season, the danger of being the resilient team is sometimes you get it in your head that the comeback is on the way. You know, it's, oh, it's fine. We can get down in the third quarter because the comeback is on its way in the fourth quarter, and it didn't come. And so this team has to find a way uh, to, to get up early and stay up early, and, and that's going to be the growth that this team goes through, and you might not see it. If they keep this group together, you might not see it until uh, year two, uh, but they might not keep this team together. I mean, it's still very much a possibility that they could be looking in the trade market I mean, you've got the Lakers right now saying, hey, we'll give you Kyle Kuzma for a uh, a point guard, a starting-level point guard and a first-round pick. Could that be enticing to the Charlotte Hornets? Could they still try to uh, unload Marvin Williams? It would seem more difficult now with uh, some of the injury issues he's had. Uh, but could they look to break this team apart despite uh, possibly contending for that eighth spot in the East? Is that something they want? I won't be satisfied, Walker, until Andre Drummond is traded and until DeMar DeRozan is traded somewhere other than Charlotte. <laughs> until then, nah, I'm telling you, I'm scared. I wake up every morning in a cold sweat. I need Andre Drummond to Atlanta. I need DeMar DeRozan to Memphis or something somewhere so that they're not in Charlotte. 
Yeah, if you were in that cold sweat, you can just reach over for your Devontae Graham warm yeah, blanket warm and make blankets. sure that everything is okay. Just real quickly to hit before we end today's podcast, DeMontis Sabonis, 7 of 11, 18 points. I saw Miles Turner get the best of P.J. Washington on back-to-back buckets in the post. He actually hit a couple threes in this game. Uh, you look at Cody Zeller, had a really good first quarter, I believe 10 of his 14 came in the first quarter of this one. And how about Dwayne Bacon getting 20 minutes, starting to play a little bit more, three of seven from the field, actually finished a couple times down low. And we got to the free throw line just once. He hit it on an and one opportunity, only one turnover. So perhaps slowly but surely, even three assists for Dwayne Bacon. Slowly but surely, I I don't know if I'm all in on it, right? Just I'm optimistic. Hopefully, little by little, Dwayne Bacon can get some of that confidence back and become a rotation player once again. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.